Everything was ashes. The bushfire had reduced our small country town to little more than charred stumps and heartbreak. There'd been casualties too. We'd lost six, their death the fodder of nightmares. And I know this sounds horrible, but we were the lucky ones. A nearby town lost over 20 people. In other places, the number was higher still. The drought had been unrelenting, and the national park that surrounds our little town was bone dry. Despite a long-standing total fire ban, the blaze had started on the edge of a popular picnic spot. It was immediately obvious that it had been deliberately lit. The fire quickly spread in all directions, destroying everything in its path. Pristine forest, fertile farmland, stock animals and a dozen towns. The eucalyptus oil in the bush fed the flames, creating a fire of such savagery that trees exploded like bombs. Wildlife had no chance of escape. Our local vet had a bit of a breakdown after putting down dozens of horrifically burnt koalas. He'd never heard koalas scream before. I was one of many who wore the uniform of the Volunteer Rural Fire Service. When it became obvious that our town was in the path of the inferno, we went door to door, encouraging everyone to evacuate. Naturally, some people refused, preferring to stay and defend their properties. Not that they had any luck. Before the main fire front even reached us, burning leaves rained down by the millions. Spot fires bloomed like deadly flowers. The people who stayed to save their properties gave it up almost immediately. Time and again I stood with them as they watched their house consumed by flames. Most of the time, they had a couple of photo albums clasped to their chest. Then they would drive away. It was hopeless. It was hell. I found myself teamed up with Tom. He was the town butcher and we played rugby on the local team. We were wetting down a house on the edge of the national park when the wind suddenly changed direction. The flames swung around behind us, cutting off our exit. This was bad. This was how firefighters died. Go, Tom yelled, and we ran towards the creek, the fire nipping at our heels the whole way. The heat and smoke and burning embers were bad, but it was the noise that nearly paralyzed me. The bushfire sounded like a possessed freight train intent on obliterating everything in its path. That noise is terrifying. Hypnotic. It gets deep inside your head. There had been no water in the creek for months, but Tom and I belly flopped onto the dry creek bed. We crawled on our stomachs and managed to wedge ourselves in an undercut bank. The fear had grown so large inside me, I couldn't speak, couldn't move. The flames danced above our heads, and when I rubbed my face, my crisped eyebrows were erased. The smoke filled my mouth, throat, and lungs, making any thought of breathing a fantasy. Then the wind shifted again. We gotta run, Tom coughed. But I simply couldn't move. Tom dragged me from our hidey hole, hoisted me across his shoulders and carried me back to the truck. On arrival, I broke down and sobbed. I knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that he had just saved my life. The fire burnt until the drought finally broke, the soaking rain arriving like a bad joke. A week after the final flames were extinguished, Tom and I joined a town meeting in a miraculously unscathed scout hall. There wasn't much to celebrate beyond the fact that we were alive, but... That was enough for me. As we entered, 
people quietly gave Tom's shoulder a squeeze or shook his hand. I'd made sure everyone knew what he had done. There must have been 200 people in the hall, and when we were all seated, a police sergeant from the city took to the stage. He removed his hat and announced he had footage of the person who'd started the Red Wednesday fires. The mood in the room turned dark and ugly. The sergeant called for calm. All he wanted was our assistance in identifying the person responsible. The police would take care of things after that. A family on a picnic had managed to film our firebug with their phone. The sergeant played the footage on a large TV. The unsteady camera zoomed in from a great distance and showed a man emptying a container of liquid into long dry grass. We watched as he lit a match, dropped it and stepped back. The man stood as if hypnotized by the dancing flames. As the fire began to spread and catch, the man on the TV screen turned, then the image froze. His face was perfectly clear. It was Tom. Chairs were overturned as people jumped to their feet, swearing, yelling and sobbing bounced off the walls. Everyone began moving towards our local butcher, our friend, our comrade in arms. Only Tom remained still and silent, his face the colour of wet ashes. <laughs>